1: Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things that you can buy that will actually help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This reason is why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, and along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to TetheredNation.com. If you're like me, you spend a lot of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times are to hunt. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience, tailored for hunters, and stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery – All at my fingertips. I've had an opportunity to use the desktop version of Spartan Forge last year and recently the beta version of the iOS app, and it has replaced all of my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today to get your place in line as the fully available mobile app is coming soon. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single origin coffee guaranteed to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker they're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to skullbrewcoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truths from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 256. Today, we're coming to you live from Kansas, so stay tuned. up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you're doing well hope you are feeling fine this is take two we screwed up the first intro so we're uh we're gonna keep it real with you guys and give you the straight dope not hide anything <laughs> messed up the first intro pretty bad we're working in some confined spaces here we're in the rut trailer the rut wagon the mob bomber bomber where are in kansas going on two weeks stinky dirty dusty I mean my whole inside of my truck is just coated oh yeah with a film of of dust like yeah. I feel like I could actually get inside my truck and make a little sand castle You probably could with the amount of dust that's in there like, while I'm driving, I, I, I can feel the dust, like, hitting my teeth, like, with the anytime, like, the fan kicks on for anything, I can just feel it, like, in my mouth. It's pretty disgusting. Every time you spit, yep. Yeah, yeah, totally. But before we jump into today's podcast, have a bit of housekeeping to do uh, for you guys really quick. Just want to pass this along. My buddy Cameron over at HuntingGearDeals.com. Uh has a bunch of always has a bunch of sales going on, and it doesn't matter what brands you guys are into. He's not brand specific. He just goes out literally. He and his team find the best deals across the internet for any brand of hunting gear you can possibly imagine, and then bring it to you guys. So you guys can save some cash. Of course, right now uh, with the holidays and stuff coming up, there is a tab on the website. So if you go to HuntingGearDeals.com, there is a Black Friday and a Cyber Cyber Monday in the Global Nav. Uh, of the website if you click on those you will find deals specific uh, to those so head over to huntinggeardeals.com sign up for the newsletter to make sure that you are in the know for whenever new deals come up because they have new stuff basically pops up every single day and if you want to do any reviews for the gear that or is on the site or want to try to get involved and 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 give Cameron a, a hand and doing some reviews, you can email him at Cameron.HuntingGearDeals at gmail.com. So with that, we'll just jump into today's podcast. I'm with my brother from another mother, Mr. Chad, Cherokee, Sylvester. He's got a new nickname now. Before it was Rodeo. Them.
2: We're just adding them. We're just both adding of them, us. man.
1: Yeah, you know, it's uh before he was Rodeo, as longtime listeners will know, Chad rode uh, professional Rodeo. Rode them their bulls. Yeah. I thought I was going to have to ride a bull the other day.
2: <laughs> you got close.
1: I got close. Yeah, you got close. Re- <laughs> had a bull creep up on me, not a elk, <laughs> a uh, a steer of some sort uh, crept up on me in this uh, in this piece of uh, walk-in that I was hunting. But uh, no, we've been uh, we've been getting after it for just about two weeks now, and we are one for two so far. Um, I would say, well, let's just start here. Let me ask you this: your expectation of the trip. What has your kind of feeling, you know, expectation, um, amount of deer you might see the challenge or lack of challenge of the hunt? Like just what, what are your kind of feelings outside of, you know, filling a tag or not filling a tag? Just like, what were you
2: expecting coming in and where did it land based on that kind of initial expectation? Um, well, I was expecting to see, I was expecting to see a lot of deer from behind the glass. Um, knowing that we were probably going to have to, you know, drive, use the vehicles, glass deer, and then have opportunities to spot and stock basically. That was my expectations. And, you know, as far as feeling a tag, it was like a one thirty or better. Like wasn't coming out to really seek a specific caliber deer or giant. Yeah. Yeah, Like if it was a good deer, like, Hey, let's go get them. Let's go have some fun. Yeah. Um, the challenge is that, uh, we kind of figured out right away. One. It's very difficult to glass these things in some of these Milo and cornfields. I mean yeah. the corn the, the ag fields here are ginormous um, and it's a it is really difficult to see them. and then once you see them, a lot of times you can't go play with them. Yeah. You just don't have the opportunity to to go to go mess with. them. They're
1: either them. going over a horizon or maybe you might be on a small piece of Weehaw to where it's like you know they're they're just jumping the fence line over into the private or whatever right. the case is. Yeah. I agree with you, man.
2: It's, uh, but anyway, go ahead. So, I mean, we kind of being out here in Turkey season, I kind of felt like these draw systems and ditches were very complex and I knew it was going to be difficult to glass, but glassing them in this, in this Milo, that's only, I'd say four or five feet tall, something like that. It's just super, super tough to see them. Um, and then as we got going, I think, um, we kind of got better Mm -hmm. at it. Um, and I, I think obviously some crops being harvested and pushing deer into some CRP areas and into the timber a little more um, was definitely a a major help. Yeah. Um, But it's been harder than expected, Mm -hmm. but not so overly bearing that I wouldn't want to come back necessarily.
1: Right, yeah. No, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Like my expectation, I was very much of the mind that it was going to be similar to what I experienced in Iowa. That was Aside from like the glassing component of it, I knew that that was going to be different because I've really never done that other than hunting out West for elk and mule deer and whatever. Never done that for whitetails. I was hell bent on this trip of doing a spot and stock or shooting one from the ground, using a decoy, rattling them in, calling them in or whatever. That was kind of what I was hell bent on doing, you know, this trip. And I would say t- today was the second time I was actually in a tree for the whole, for the whole trip. Every other hunt has been on the ground, Yeah, you know, and knew full well, you know, just you and I talking, like we knew we were going to be doing a lot of driving, doing a lot of glass and we, we both spoke with and or texted with Jared Scheffler just about their approach out here. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys, how they, how they kind of get it done and watch their videos, you know, right. learn some stuff or try to pick some stuff up from those guys and it's funny because, you know, and they're really honest about they swing and miss a lot too, you know. But, man, when they get it right, they just get it super right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, and it just ma- it looks so fun, but it's just, it is hard. Like, it is yeah. just challenging even to just find them, you yeah. know. Like, I think the one thing that I was most surprised by was just the, the amount of deer that we weren't seeing. Like, I was expecting that, like... Not every day we would see like a big deer necessarily, but I was thinking like, you know, once a day, because we're not targeting like 170 inches or better deer, we're literally like, do we get excited about it? You know, Pope and young, you know what I mean? Type of deer. Then we want to spot and stock that one. And I thought for sure, I was like, man, because our standards aren't like Boone and Crockett, it's like, man, we should probably see one a day that we should able to get an opportunity to either try to stalk or to watch and see if we can bet him to maybe hunt him the next day or whatever right. and we just weren't seeing the deer numbers um we ended up talking to cole the uh, he the place that we were actually parked the camper his uh, grandfather owns all this property and we just asked him we were BSing with him he stopped by and saw us the one day and he just said that they got hit pretty hard with like ehd i think he even said like the last two years or something yeah. like that
2: it seemed like there was a big gap because we're seeing a bunch of rack bucks, yeah, and then we're seeing upper end bucks, but there's like nothing there in the middle. Like Th-
1: that's really interesting. I never really thought it, looked yeah. at it that way, but you're right. Like yeah. what we saw, and we were just talking about this. We we've seen five deer, one fifty or seven, deer seven deer, one fifty or better. Yeah, in ten days to this point. Yeah,
2: now not all of those are like you know, some of them are from the truck. Some of them are, you're glassing from a mile away. I mean, those aren't all encounters. Right. Um, or even deer that you can really go play with, I guess. Right. But we've seen late eyes on, on seven.
1: Yeah. And then we saw, I saw one today. We'll talk about that. That was Mm thirties. You saw two really good ones today, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I saw one that was in the once, like probably close to one sixty, like the first night here, mm-hmm. that I was hunting, you know, saw that that deer, and then another one that was probably thirties or whatever that I saw that I glassed the the following morning from my from from a tree. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's like we've seen a hand, but you're right. I never thought of it that way. It's like it's either been like pretty big deer, you know, a handful of like one thirty, one forty, and mm-hmm. then a lot of just like
2: just rack young hundred inch one two year olds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's crazy. I never really thought of it that way. But, so anyway, so I think that my expectations were, I probably had expectations set a little too high based on, like, what we're, you know, what we're experiencing. But, you know, Cole did mention that EHD hammered them, and he said, you're just not seeing the same amount of bucks, like, out in fields, running does, and also, it, it it stands to reason that if that's the case and you have that age gap, it means like the rut's a little weird too, because you because we were just talking about it today when we got back to the trailer. It's like, man, when I called in Iowa, like I almost always got a response. You know, you'd I'd see a buck, he might be seventy yards away. I'd crack the antlers, and he would turn and come. Mm-hmm. You know. Didn't matter if it was a two-year-old, three-year-old, whatever, four-year-old, whatever it was, it was it was coming or grunt. It it would come check it out. Here it's the opposite. Like I'm calling and I'm seeing deer and they're super sketched by Mm -hmm. like, okay, what is this? What's going on? You know, and it just seems like maybe there's just not as much competition.
2: I mean, that's a valid point. I mean, who knows? Um, I think today and yesterday we're probably on the we finally found a piece that has pretty good numbers. Yeah. Um. At least the stuff that we've seen so far, that's definitely the highest deer density For sure. area that we've walked or glassed.
1: Yeah. I would say we've probably seen as many deer to the past two days, mm-hmm. pretty close to what we've seen the whole, like the whole trip. Probably. Yeah. 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 Just because, and, and I don't know, maybe we timed that piece right. We were talking about that too. It's like, we. it just seems like that piece is starting to pop off bunch of fresh scrapes today that I found and stuff like that. So it just seems like maybe we timed it right. But, uh, so we're getting near the end of the trip here. I've got two more days. You're getting ready to scoot out of here probably tomorrow morning, yep. but, uh, don't want to keep the people waiting. We do, we, we do have some, like some stories to tell, or at least one really good one. We have a
2: couple of <laughs> good ones. Yeah.
1: But uh, I'll start with mine and let you bring it home. Yeah. How's that?
2: Yeah. That sounds like a plan. Yeah.
1: So, basically my hunt played out like this i got in saturday or two weeks almost two weeks ago at this point and you know we're driving you know the long trip you know from ohio and pennsylvania and we had a couple cell cameras that were out here that chad actually put out in the spring during turkey season there was one piece that we had like two good deer on and as i'm literally getting ready to, i'm like maybe 30 minutes out from where we're gonna park the trailer and he calls me he's like how close are you and i'm like like, you know, 20, 30 minutes away, he's like, as soon as you get there, drop your stuff, head over to that piece, that big deer that's on camera just showed up, you know, whatever it was like 30 minutes prior to that or whatever the case was. So I was like, all right, cool. So I got, I got here, dropped the camper, you know, it was, you know, I I think you text me at like one o'clock or something like that. I didn't get a chance to get over there until I got everything kind of taken care of here until probably four, you know, roughly so a couple hours later hop in hunt on the ground didn't see him left with a little bit of daylight left just because i wanted to go out to that one corner this where the crp kind of meets this corn this cut cornfield and just kind of glass the rest of the evening to see if i can see anything and you know where they're maybe coming out filtering out of so i can get an idea of a game plan for the next couple days or whatever and who popped out of there with a doe sure enough that big deer probably 160 ish deer hanging out with that doe um and so I had some pretty high hopes for that piece, you know, because I was like, all right, he's in there, he's on a doe, which means give him two days, he should be off, and then circ- circulate again to try to find try to find another one. So went in the next morning, hunted from a tree that day, and hunted all day, saw one rack buck, and was kind of set up for him to come back out, thinking that the doe is still going to kind of want to come feed to the edge of that cornfield, just like this inside corner where the CRP kind of meets this cornfield and there's, and and there's kind of like a crick bottom that runs through there and, um, set up in there and, and he never showed, but that morning I saw that rack buck. And then I also saw the other big deer that was on camera as glassed him at the corner of the CRP first thing in the morning. And I thought he might actually head down to you. And then the rest of my week really, you know, it's been handful of does, you know, seeing does without bucks and, swinging and missing doing a lot of glassing um and just not seeing a lot of deer to be quite honest um kind of threw me for a loop because the sign doesn't necessarily pop out it's a little counterintuitive or feels different for me because a lot of the sign you will see like scrapes or whatever a lot of times is on these edges you know whether it's on the edge of a crp field or whether it's on the edge of a cornfield a cut cornfield or whatever the case is and my brain is telling me this is all nighttime sign but we always have like we have to remember that that's their like a a standing cornfield or a standing milo field is their cover. That's as good as like a clear cut (laughs) back home essentially. And so it was kind of taking a little bit to calibrate and, you know, what I kind of learned from a spot that Chad found, and we'll talk about that here in a second was that, you know, finding these little pockets in the timber where they're laying down a ton of sign is like, is the gold mine, you know, it just isn't like you would find back East. At least it's like, I haven't found it and haven't seen it as often here as I would see it back there in the timber, you know? And so that was the thing that was kind of taking a little bit to kind of get used to and figure out a lot of these drainages too, are, you look at them on the map, they look really good. You drive to them and these drainages have 10 foot high walls on the sides of them and they're not using them, you know? So it was a lot of that just going and qualifying pieces and trying to figure out what places are huntable,
2: you know? Um, We've probably burned, at least three days scouting pieces that for sure look good on a map and next to zero deer sign on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they may, you know, the one game you can play and people have told us this, you know, folks that I've talked to, you can, a lot of guys will just go sit those funnels, you know, and, and just wait it out. And that's a strategy you can use, you know, actually where we're parked, the guys that hunt that own this draw that's right behind us, you know, there was a, Two hundred sixteen inch deer and one hundred and seventy inch deer both killed out of that last year. And it's not it's a big ditch. There's no ag around it. It's all just CRP and they just go sit it. You know, there's not you know, that's just all there is to it. They know that they're going to start moving at a certain time when all the crops get pulled off and they go they go sit that funnel. They might have to sit it two days, three days, five days. Who knows? But they know eventually a big deer will kind of pass through there. So that's their their strategy. So fast forward to i guess the past three days you know we kind of been driving to some different pieces and trying to figure out where the deer might be might be holed up and we finally got to this one piece it just looked really good on a map and when we got there it actually looked really good when we got there too as we we kind of drove around it and um <laughs>
2: essentially we ended up i forget how it actually started we were driving down that i guess county road which is like a tractor path basically right and we saw um, a public sign and i caught it out of the corner of my eye and i was like whoa is this public and i felt like i had been there before Mm -hmm. um which we were there in the spring so we backed up looked at the sign it was public we confirmed that looked at it on the map and then we drove up to the top of the hill and we tried to glass that cut cornfield to make sure it was cut or if it was a uh, cornfield or my, oh, that's
1: right. I forgot. This is how it started. So you like brought your binoculars
2: up and you were looking at the cornfield and I looked out the window and I was like, yo, there's a buck.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we see that it's kind of, so this has like these buffer strips of CRP in between like, you know, there's a cornfield on the top, I believe. And then there was like wheat and then the buffer strip in between the corn and the wheat and then another buffer strip after the wheat and then CRP and then this big bottom. And so, Chad's like, there's a buck, there's a buck, there's a buck. So we take a look at it really quick. You know, he's chasing a doe. We see what direction he's going. Chad throws it in reverse. I think he did seventy in reverse.
2: Try to, yeah.
1: <laughs> we get to a spot. We jump out of the truck. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know what all we grabbed. We we grabbed our bows and that was about it. Or you know, I grabbed my bow and you grabbed the camera and yeah. that was about it. We didn't grab a decoy. I don't think I had a call, a grunt call, or anything on me. We run into the woods and we're basically trying to cut this deer off. We're watching, we watched where he was kind of running toward and we kind of thought we had an idea where he was going. And so we run into the timber to try to cut this buck off, you know, and I'm in the back of my mind thinking like, this is some like white tail adrenaline stuff, but I'm like, there's no way these two, us two idiots are going to pull this off. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, there's no way we're going to catch this deer, you know? So we saw which draw he was potentially going to go into, you know, we thought that he would go into. And so we got in between and tried to cut him off and we're standing there and, you know, we don't hear anything. I might've actually had my rattling nail, with me. Yeah. 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 And, uh, rattling sequence, you know, nothing And a, uh, you know, we give it 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And Chad's like, you know, Hey, I'm going to walk over here to this post. This There was this fence line that kind of ran along this bottom in between the bottom and the CRP field chads like i'm going to go stand over to this bank and see if i can see up along that edge to see if i can see anything maybe they're over, over there bedded down or whatever so he walks over there and i'm watching him you know he's maybe only 40 yards from me like maybe yeah. and uh i'm watching him and i'm kind of watching to see you know if there's any deer anywhere you know does or anything kind of filtering through and it's really kind of thick kind of thick kind of area and there's like frag on the on the on the roadside of the uh of this bottom and I'm standing and, I'm, and I turn over, and I look at Chad, and he's walking down the bank. And I'm figuring we're probably just going to get ready to bounce out of there and do some more glassing. Then all of a sudden, I see him pull his video camera up. And so now I put my binos on him because I'm watching him because I'm trying to wait to see if he gives me a signal like he sees something. Well, now all of a sudden, I hear a butt grunt and then a doe grunt. And so now I know there's deer there, and that's why he pulled his camera up. And so he's getting down off the bank. To kind of tuck into cover. I'm still looking at him to kind of try to tell me where they're at because I heard them, but I'm in between these two cedar trees and can't see anything. You know what <laughs> I mean? And so I'm kind of, and I heard these deer walking, but they sounded like they were over my left shoulder, which I think they probably were, and then just kind of like came from behind and like around me or whatever. And I'm looking around, looking around, and all of a sudden I hear like a thump and I turn my head and I don't see anything. And Chad's like <laughs> My man gets so excited when he sees deer. He's like, they're right there. They were right there. Basically comes running over. The deer was, what we then later found out was a 160 inch deer was like 20 yards from me. Yeah. And I just couldn't see it, but it where I was standing. Yeah. And there was a doe that filtered through and she jumped into the frag. So fast forward, you know, we kind of hop out of there and kind of recalibrate like what the hell just happened. Like we just saw a big deer. I couldn't get a shot at so then we decided, well, hey, I think that doe's in that frag. And it's not a huge piece of frag. I mean, it might only be 20 yards wide, 20 yards long, Super maybe. Small. You small. Little know? island, yeah. Yeah. And uh, on the edge, like uh, this CRP bank that kind of goes up into the CRP field. And we were like, you know what? And there's this trail that's around it, and there's scrapes at the one end. We were like, you know what? The wind's in our favor if we sit on that side of the bank. Why don't we just, like, find a spot to kind of tuck in on the ground and sit the downwind side of that? Because if she's in there then he's likely going to try to come in there and, you know, figure out, you know, where she's at, you know? So we do that. And I don't know, we sat for however long we were sitting there and, you know, Chad's like, man, we should probably have a decoy out here. That way we at least like take the attention off of us. And maybe when he comes around, he sees that decoy or whatever the case is. And was like, yeah, it's probably a good idea. And Chad's like, you know, I'm going to go back. You stay here. I'm going to go back to the truck and grab the decoy. Now, we can basically see the truck from where we're at, from where we from where we park. Eighty yards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tops. And there's a small draw between us and the truck, so I'm like, "All right, cool." So Chad's walking over toward the truck, and I'm watching the frag. And we could hear something in the frag, like there was a doe or something in there, like milling around, like we could hear some movement. All of a sudden, my man comes running over the CRP field. There's a big deer, big deer. He just starts <laughs> yelling at me. And I'm like, I jump up, grab my bow, take. I don't even know why I'm running like I'm gonna catch him. You know what I mean? Like, and that 160 inch deer just basically went up into that small draw, embedded down with that doe. I mean, 60 yards, 50 yards from us, like if that, right next to the road too. Yep. So at that point, we were like, all right, we see where they went. You go across the road. There's more CRP a big draw of cedars and then a cedar line at the top of this like CRP field that on the map, you know, when you look at it, it's some form of crops, it, you know, it, I think it said it was, it was winter wheat or whatever, but when we, you know, it was actually cut soybean field. So we were like, you know what, we've already bumped them twice at this point. Well, we didn't bump them once we
2: bumped them, pressured them, pressured them a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So we were like, we can either make a play on this deer probably not going to see him again who knows where he's going to go and it's really the only play we have so we actually went up the long way around this crp field along that cedar line at the top tucked into that cut bean field and thought for sure i mean i would have put money on that that's where that deer and that that doe were at
2: i would take that take that set up a hundred times out of a hundred
1: yeah and it was just like there were these two trails that were like clearly defined coming out of the head of this crp so I'm sorry, out of the head of this, like, draw. So this draw is just basically a line of cedars, super thick, kind of gets a little bit fatter at the end of it, and then there's trails that come out of it, and they're, two of them are just, just like, goat paths straight to the, the cut bean field. And we were basically set up between those two paths. That way it's, like, no matter if they kind of came along the cedar line and, like, looped around in front of us, we'd have a shot. And if they came, you know, to our left, essentially just straight out of the cedars to the field, I would have a shot opportunity there. And we did not see a single deer. Now the other kind of kicker is, is this weekend, pheasant season opened. So, you know, that's the other kind of, you know, uh, piece of, you know, variable that we have in play is dealing with, you know, not just regular hunting pressure, but also pheasant pressure, pheasant hunting pressure, which those guys are going in and driving CRP fields and in Milo trying to kick up trying to kick up birds. So part of our strategy one day was just literally following pheasant hunters around in glass and while they were, while they were pheasant hunting to see if they kick big deer out of, out of a draw somewhere and then try to go, you know, make a play on it. So, so that was that day. So at least now we found a piece that had good deer. And so essentially I went back in this morning and I had a shooter at a, you know, I don't know, probably 20 yards and couldn't get a shot. He was behind a tree. I was on the ground, um, he came in, saw the decoy perked up, went to go to the downwind side, you know, worked a scrape and then was coming in. And, um, and you know, I don't know if he saw me move when I drew my bow back. I drew when he was behind a tree, you know, or if maybe he caught my, caught my scent or whatever. And my felt like my wind was pretty good at that, at that setup. It was just, you know, ground hunting's tough, man. You know, it's like those guys that do it consistently and do it well, you know, it's like, I've I've always had respect for them, but I have even more respect for them. I've spent the better part of two weeks trying to kill one on the ground and just, you know, I've gotten close to deer. I've got, I've had deer within five yards of me, you know, just not the, not the right ones. And this one was first time I had an opportunity to draw my bow back. Good deer, 130 ish inch eight point, you know, would have been tickled pink with him. Um, but once I got some light and could see that area, bunch of scrapes, some rubs. So, and Chad was glassing and kind of seeing deer filter down this draw, which dumps right into where I'm at, and there's kind of a draw on the opposite side, so it's really kind of like a thermal hub and it makes sense why all the all the sign is essentially laid out there the way it is. So, my plan is to basically hunt that the next two days that I have left here because uh, it's the spot that we've seen the best deer activity, the most deer, and there's a couple of really good deer that are, that are in that spot. So that's my game plan and that's been my trip to this point.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, it took us a while to find a piece like that, but we have cold weather coming in. Yeah, and I mean we saw, I saw a handful of bucks there. I guess it would be four shooters between the two that you saw and the three mm-hmm. that I saw. Yeah, um, all in that little pocket,
1: all in that one little corner.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the odds, the odds are in your favor. I yeah.
1: think. I saw, counting that small little scrubby spike that I saw this afternoon. I saw five deer in that spot. I saw four yeah. this morning before nine o'clock. Yeah. So, yeah. And then one, two, three, four, at least four does mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. So, you know, it's once we found it, it was kind of a no brainer because it's a great piece of public, the way it's set up, great habitat. The other thing you don't get a lot out here is edge and structure. You know, it's almost like you know, Big Woods doesn't have structure, you know, except for maybe it's like some clear cuts and stuff like that. Like this place is almost, it, it's similar in some ways to where there's just not a lot of structure, just like big open fields and like small little pieces of structure that they, that they utilize, but it's yeah. not super noticeable. And this place actually has structure and it kind of de- helps define their movement and stuff like that. Plus the private neighbor that is just to the north. Uh, practices big sign on on his property practices qdm so felt pretty good about the fact that they're not killing everything that walks and uh they have some food plots and food sources so we're kind of playing that game of like set up relatively close to them trying to use the the draw that they have i think the public has the better betting you know when we drove past their property i think they have some and i would say doe's probably hold up there um but just on the back side of that's kind of where i'm at in the the habitat is, is is primo in there and it's it's proven out with just the the amount of deer that we've been that, that we've seen the two days at that spot so that's my story man but chad's got chad's got one for the ages we're gonna turn the mic over to to cherokee
2: sylvester it was intense um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that you know coming out here with expectations to kill 130 inch deer um that's all really what a I was trying to do like never in my wildest dreams. Could I have thought that, uh, you know, hunting on the ground and and the manner that we've been doing over the last, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 days, whatever it's been would produce what I killed. Like, it's just, yeah, I'm still kind of pinching myself um, how that all played out. But essentially it started in the spring when we were out here, Turkey hunting, you know, we came out to Turkey hunt and uh, walk and scout as many pieces as we could. The very last piece that we scouted in the spring was this little? I'm not even sure how many acres this. Maybe 200 acres, maybe something yeah, like that. Probably. Um, piece way out of the way, all by itself. It's an hour drive from where we're sitting right now. Yeah. And um, it was kind of isolated. It had a little, you know, little creek running through it, and uh, had some timber. But it was the last piece that we scouted in the spring, and it had a ton of deer sign in it. But it also had a ton of people sign in it. Right. There were, um, you know hang on tree stands that had been left up from seasons prior. There were trail cameras in there and it had limited access. I mean really you can only access at some point from the northern side of the property. I mean you could walk around, you know, on the property um on the property lines and circle around the backside, but for the most part limited access. So the guys I was with said I was crazy for not putting a camera up there, but in my mind, I like one of the things that always play into my hunting strategy coming away from home is just like take the human pressure element, take that variable and just get away from it mm-hmm. because it's something you can't control. Um, it's a wild card that sometimes it can work for you, but most of the time it's probably gonna,
1: gonna hurt you, gonna
2: hurt you. So in the back of my mind, I knew that piece had deer sign, but I didn't want to mess with it. So three or four days in, you know, as we were having, a harder time finding deer, not seeing what we wanted to see one afternoon when we split up, I went down there just to, just to check it out, you know, on my way down, um, you know, I was scouting my way in kind of in the the interior. This piece lays out like a, I called it a, a a lazy W like the, like if you picture a W and like the two ends just kind of like laying down, it made like (laughs) a bowl and there's two points coming, two fingers of timber coming out in the middle. So I, Remembered where we had bumped those deer in the spring and went to the Southeast point, which had a Northwest wind. So I was given up like a, the back third of the property and went right down the middle and scouted that edge. Well, I bumped two does or what I thought was two does. Um, not very far into the timber. And they ran through like this inside corner of CRP. Um, and that spot had a couple things going for it which i'll I'll kind of get into later but they followed that inside corner the edge there so i was just basically following where they walked or ran and wanted to see what was over there and as i got over that inside corner i could see on the opposite side the timber started to open up a little bit and i seen a buck with his nose to the ground and i was like game on you know and at this point i got my pack on i had my bow in my hand you know sticks and everything on my pack i take like five or six steps back and get into this litter little uh Cedar thicket right on that inside corner. And I get in, I grab my rattling antlers and I start raking a tree and making some ground noise, hoping to draw that deer out into that CRP, uh, just to get a better look at him. So I do that. Um, I sit for 15 or 20 minutes and I don't get a response, like nothing. So I'm like, all right, well, he's on a hot dough. Like I'm not, probably not going to pull him off, you know? Right. So I turned around, I have the, the cedars to my back. And as I turned around, I caught a rub over to my right in a, a good rub and it was fresh fresh as in like the last week you right know? yeah um because so we're catch- really,
1: we're really kind of past like that that's the other kind of thing that's been yeah. kind of like different hunting for me at least travel hunting on this trip is that a lot of times i'd be able to hunt fresh sign right where this we're kind of on the back end of like when they're really laying down a ton of scrapes and it's like if you find one that's fresh like that's the gold mine, but you're just not gonna find a ton of them that are super fresh nope. right now.
2: Nope, they're on does right now. Yep. But um as I caught that rub, you know, I looked back into the cedar thicket and there were several other rubs. So I was like, you know, trying to investigate. But at the same point in time I knew that buck, that doe ran over that opening and that buck was over there. So I was trying to kind of like find a tree to get in. And on the edge of that cedar thicket there was this big dead well it was a big tree and i'm like it looks straight which you don't get here mm-hmm. you know that's another theme is like you yeah. either in locust trees that are thorny as yeah. all get out or you're in these cottonwoods that are just giant or they're just laid way over yeah uh, it's just terrible um limited tree stand setups or saddle setups for that matter but anyways as i'm walking through the cedar thicket there's just there's just more rubs in uh, a 15-yard area than I've ever seen. There's probably 12, 13, 14 rubs in this cedar thicket. And right smack dab in the middle is a bed, worn to the ground, dirt bed. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't remember finding this in the spring, but this is big sign, and there's a bed right in the middle. Big bed. It, the deer could lay there with a the north wind and know anything that's coming from the north because it's limited access on there. And it's also downwind of doe bedding. I'm like, all right, this makes sense. I'm already here. I'm going to walk this exit trail. (laughs) I only see where he's going, you know? Right. So I walked the exit trail, and it goes right to that spot where the does ran, and I saw that buck with his nose to the ground. And what that spot was was it had an inside corner that created a little pinch, and on the back side of it was a creek. Um, And this spot is, uh, like, look on the map. It's like a typical rut funnel. Mm -hmm. But you had edge CRP to timber. You had edge on the creek, and then there was about a sixty-yard or fifty-yard patch of basically um, like just high stem count stuff. It had like reedy stuff in it, um, briars, a bunch of uh, locust saplings, just real thick, nasty. And that basically went from that deer's bed on that cedar thicket for fifty yards right to his exit trail. And on the, on the very, I guess the last bit of cover, there were some deadfalls there with some tops. And then just on the other side, there was some cedars, kind of sporadic, and it opened up. Um, and that's basically when I walked that exit trail on the opposite side of the creek, so to the south side of the creek, it was kind of open and brushy there, but there was a row of cedar trees that uh, that paralleled the creek there. And right at that point where those cedars met that exit trail, there were three or four big rubs there. So the deer was obviously leaving that bed. The rubs were in that direction. He was leaving that bed, and and that was his exit. But that day, I set up there in the evening based on the does that I saw and that buck with his nose to the ground, a typical rut funnel. So as I'm trying to get set up in this tree, I have a terrible time. <laughs> um, break a stick. Can't get to where I want to get. Um, this goes on for like 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Just like I'm super pissed, like gotta be in the tree i can't see anything you yeah. know i'm just frustrated as I'll get out and as i'm climbing down tearing my stuff down my bow's on the ground and i'm hanging off this tree with my stupid line and belt on here comes that doe here comes a rack buck chasing her like right in front of me i'm just like this is ridiculous <laughs>
1: <laughs> it can't be any worse yeah
2: it can't at that point i'm like god man i just need to get down and get set up so i left my sticks in the tree hop down grab my bow literally left them in the tree till today I just got them today. Yeah. They were there for since the the tenth.
1: The eleventh. Uh, I was there the tenth. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were there so the tenth. Yeah,
2: six days, yeah. almost a week. So, anyways, I get set up in this uh, this cedar tree. and Basically, I just take some branches and lay them out in front of me. Take a dead fall, put it up, make myself a little ground blind. And uh, that evening, I, you know, I don't know how many different bucks that I saw, but I seen that doe get chased in that little pinch five or six times, just different probably the same bucks over and over and over but a handful of rack bucks chasing that doe so i'm like okay this isn't that bad you know i have a hot doe here there's big sign these little bucks are going to push this doe around until she's ready to be bred and then hopefully a big deer comes and breeds her you know right i'm I'm right here so i go back in there the next morning and with that in the back of my mind i went in at gray light because i wanted to know and be able to see on my way in if i could see a doe or see any deer like the one thing i was did not want to do was bump that dough off that property because if there was a buck with her locked down, like obviously he's going to follow and then right. game I'm number. screwed. Yeah. yeah. So I get in clean. I sit that little ground blind. Um, sun comes up, you know, eight o'clock rolls around, nothing. Um, around 8 30, and I'm facing, I guess I should explain this the way that I'm facing. I'm facing, I'm facing the north to that CRP towards the crp where i've seen that doe being chased back and forth through that pinch so the creek is behind me so behind me i have the creek to my right, to my back i have a cedar tree to my right uh three o'clock i have a deadfall, and then out in front of me i have some branches broken then at uh, nine o'clock i have another cedar tree so i'm covered up pretty good
1: yeah yeah it was a tight little
2: little setup um really limited on what you could see except for you know to the north to the mm-hmm. north you could see well you could you could see a couple hundred yards, but, right. um, that edge was probably 35 yards out That edge with the CRP hit the timber. So eight 30 rolls around and I'm sitting facing North and I, I hear something behind me. So I'm like peeking through the cedar tree over my shoulder and I catch a glimpse of a buck back in that brushy open stuff. And I'm like, looking, trying to make out what it is and I could see it, but I can't get a good look at it, you know? And. I was probably, I don't know. I was probably looking 15, 20 seconds, maybe, maybe a minute. And then I hear something walking like in the Creek. So I turn all the way around and I'm, i the Cedar trees in my face. I'm facing the Creek. I'm facing South and out pops this 120 inch buck. And he's on the other side of the Cedar tree from me. So we're talking like five, five yards, maybe not even five yards. Might be closer than that. Mm-hmm. Maybe 15 feet. So like three yeah. yards, like he is like right there. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And at that time, I'm staring at him. He's staring at me. We can't really see each other because of the cedar tree. And this bigger deer, the deer that I saw in that open brushy stuff, walks down to the very edge of the creek where those cedar trees that rose cedar trees met that exit trail. And I'm I'm looking at that deer now. I'm like, oh damn, that's a 150 inch deer. Like, we're in a game. Well, about that time, um, that younger 120 spooked like boom, took off. And he knew something wasn't right. I mean, he was standing there, and he wasn't like doing the head bob or anything like that he just poof, just took off well, when he took off i uh i snort wheezed um and that bigger deer was back there and he he didn't know what the hell was going on he was like all right i just saw this my punk younger brother run off like i wonder what's going on and he like kind of did one of these and then he just turned and followed him kind of paralleled him on the creek so i actually had enough cover that i got up with my bow and paralleled him on the opposite side thinking if he comes down to the creek edge like i might be able to get a shot so I got a really good look at that deer. Um, and then eventually he just wandered off and I, I, lo- I lost visual of him. So at that point, I'm like, kind of irritated a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited, but irritated at the same point in time because if I would have been in a tree, I could have shot that deer. Right. And that's the only thing that was running through my mind. So I go back to, you know, my little ground set up and I sit down 15 minutes later from the north. I have a 115 inch rack buck come in. And when he came in through the CRP, he was like, you could see he was tall and tight. Mm-hmm. And I actually picked my bow up, turned the camera on. I was like, I'm shooting this deer. Right. He came in at 35 yards, and I filmed him. And he kind of did his did his thing and um, walked back to the back towards that first timber, of, uh, or first finger of timber, which those other two bucks worked towards too. Um. So later in the afternoon, you know, that was the last, I guess, deer sighting that I had in the morning, and that was. I'm gonna say all that was done and over with well before nine o'clock. Oh yeah, it was like
1: 8 30 because you text me. Yeah. Like that you right after you saw the the one fifteen. Like, yeah, that that rack book, you text me because you were like, I just saw a one twenty, a one fifty, and a one fifteen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So in the back of my mind, I keep telling myself, I need to be in a tree. Um, because those do, do the same thing, like I need to be able to shoot to the other side of the creek. Right. Can't do it where I am. So there was probably three or four times throughout the afternoon that I physically got up out of that ground blind and walked like a 15-yard circle looking at trees. Oh, I think I can get in this tree. Oh, I can't. There's too much crap hanging down from it. Maybe I can get in this tree. Nope. Giant eight-foot cottonwood. Can't get sticks around it. So I did that a bunch, just completely frustrated that I could not be in the tree and I couldn't see anything. And the wind was blowing that day, like, 20-some miles an hour. Yeah. So I can't hear anything. Can't see anything. I'm like, this is never going to work. Like, this is terrible. Right. So, like, by 3 o'clock, my knees are killing me because I'm bent over, you know, on my knees all day. And I'm like, I can't get into a tree. I need to make this ground line work. So I cut a little, like, a basketball size hole out of the backside of this tree, cedar tree, so I could shoot to the edge of the creek, thinking, like, this is the only shot i want to have. Um, you know, if they do the same thing, like, at least I am, am prepared, semi-prepared. Right. So, 3 o'clock, I do that. And I sit flat down on my butt with that dead fall to my back, cedar tree and that little shooting lane uh, to my left. The opening and the CRP is out to my right. And I'm basically staring, like, looking at that bed in that same direction. And I'm 70 yards from it. So, at 4 o'clock, I uh, see this. I see something moving over in those deadfalls, like right on the edge of that cover on that exit trail. And I could see a deer's nose and I could see the deer licking its nose and like putting it to the air, but I don't see any antlers. Don't see any tines. So I'm like, all right, well there's a, this does coming through. I'm like, this is money. So I pick my bow up and get it vertical, you know, and that deer's there for probably three minutes doing that. Just kind of chilling out right there. And, um, at that point I'm like, I still don't see any antlers. So the deer starts walking towards the creek. Um, and I should say that's, this is like a 13 yards. Like this is already like in the bubble, you know? Yeah. Um, so this deer starts walking around these treetops and I can see the body. I see the brown body. Still don't see any antlers. So I'm convinced this thing's a doe. Well, about that time, 170 inch buck <laughs> jumps over that deadfall through my shooting window takes three or four steps and is on the backside of this cedar tree, like eight feet away from me. And I'm like, Holy crap. That's a freaking giant. I'm sitting (laughs) flat on my butt. The deer's to my nine o'clock through a cedar tree. And I'm like, I draw my bow at that point. I'm like, all right, he's through this opening. I'm going to draw. Now I have a shooting lane behind me, but I know if that deer takes three steps, like he's going to win me and it's over. So I'm like on my butt full draw. I'm like, I got to get to my feet and get turned around. I got to get to my feet or get to my knees and get turned around. So I get one leg up. So I have one foot on the ground now. And I'm tucked into these there's cedar branches all around me. I have a camera set up next to me. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get to my knees. Like, this is never, ever going to work. I got to let my bow down. Um, and the deer's been there for probably, I'm going to say five, six, seven seconds, something like mm-hmm. that. And I can see him through the cedar trees. He's not looking at me. He doesn't know, like, anything's up. He's just kind of, like, standing there. So I let my bow down. As soon as I let my bow down, he snaps his head. And, like, now we're staring at each other, just like that 120, staring at each other through the cedar tree. So I'm like, oh, this is this is terrible. <laughs> like, this is not good. Like, how am I going to draw again, you know? Well, the deer ends up picking his head up. And so I, it's like now or never. So I rip my bow back. Deer turns around. He takes four, three or four steps. And I shoot him through that little basketball size window quarter away at five yards, <laughs> the high lung shot, um, punch,
1: through th- the other shoulder blade. Yep, yeah. Punch
2: through his other shoulder blade. Um, the deer ran back towards his bed. Yep. Like he was trying to go back to his bed and he didn't, he didn't even make it. He, he went 50 yards and died. Yep. Yep. We found him in the Creek. Yep. Clint found him in the Creek. Yeah. Yep. That was the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, it, not a ton of blood on the blood trail. Um, well, it wasn't like high, high lung. Yeah. I wasn't really expecting. Um, right. Yeah, for I mean, sure. The cavity is going to fill up and we got the spray from his.
1: At the very end. It was yep. like, that's whenever, you know, we were watching, we were, you know, we were getting enough blood that it was like, you know, we knew that it was.
2: It was drops. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, uh and then all of a sudden it opened up and i just threw my headlamp like ahead of me and I could see the deer laying. I could just see the tines sticking out of the creek. And I'm like, there's your buck, and Chad's looking. I was like, where? And I'm like, he's right there. He's like, I don't see him. Where's he at? <laughs> and then finally, he sees him. He's like, oh my god. <laughs> he's like, are you kidding me, dude? It's a giant. It's a. It's if like you deer. haven't seen it yet, go to the Exodus Instagram page and check it out. There's a post there. I'll probably use the one of the pictures of that for, the, for this post for the uh, for the podcast. You can check it out there as well. But killer deer man, awesome. You know, drop off his right side, drop time off his right side. Yep. Mass for days. Yep. Tall.
2: Yeah. I mean anything you could ask for. I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful animal. Yeah. Um insanely intense four minutes. Yeah. It'll probably never be replicated in my hunting life ever again to be able to draw right. Um twice on a deer like that inside a inside of five yards is absurd. Yeah. Um especially on the ground. Like it that'll will never happen again. Because 'cause you'll be in a tree. Probably. <laughs> probably. Um but the drag, man. Oh, oh my gosh. You like we can't we that can't tell bad. a story and not, not talk about the drag. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. The way the crow flies, it was 700 yards from where the deer died to the road. The way the crow flies. Um if we had to loop around all that deadfall and all the 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 dead falls and the the uh the locust thorn thicket yeah um, god
1: that thing was miserable
2: 90% of it was uphill it was it was bad it was to, it was bad to the point where I had to go back to the truck and get water because I thought I was going to pass out at one point. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, And you told me like, yo, if you need to take a break and go get water, like go do it. Because if you pass out, I can't carry both of of you guys out of here. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That was a brutal, that was a brutal drag. And then like the wind started ripping, it started raining. It was like, it was, yeah, that was one of the worst, one of the worst drags. I mean, cause you know, you would think like you're dragging on grass to be kind of easy, but it's like, man, you don't know how much grass gets tied up into 170 inches of antler until you're dragging it through a CRP field that the grass is freaking waist to chest high. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a lot of drag on that animal, (laughs) but man, that was this, this trip has been killer. I've got, like I said, I've got two more days as people are listening to this to hopefully, hopefully fill a tag. But regardless of how that outcome is, it's been a killer trip. I, uh, I appreciate having a road dog like you to share these things with man. Cause not everyone's built to live in a six by 10 trailer together.
2: I love it dude. It's <laughs> and awesome, be,
1: and be stinky and uh, have good days, have bad days, you know, and dude, since you killed, I mean, you've been out here for days now without a tag to fill and just basically been chauffeuring me around to glass and do setups and stuff like that. So yeah, I just, yeah, man. you know, thanks for being a good friend, man. Appreciate yeah,
2: it. Absolutely. That's what it's about, dude. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, gang. Well, that is the story here from Kansas. We'll have a a final recap here probably in like the next week or so whenever I get back home to Pennsylvania, get a shower, eat something that is not dehydrated. Uh That is coming soon. And until next time, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there too. It'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, We'll see y'all.